0: Me. From Studio P in Sausalito, the
1: home of the hit, it's time for Suck Attack,
0: the number one award-seeking comedy podcast about comedy,
2: Podcast,
0: and here's your host, internationally recognized comedy podcast podcaster, Mark Hershaw.
3: Yes, it is I, Mark Hirsch, on your host and Henry Miller Aeron desk chair for FB133 of Suckatash, the comedy podcast podcast. And if you're having trouble recognizing the voice, that's because it's been about three damn weeks since I last dropped an installment. Sorry about that. I will keep striving to get better about it. I'd be lying if I didn't say a few clicks on the old donate button up at our home site, SuckatashShow.com, wouldn't help motivate me. Or if someone besides Henderson's Pants wanted to help sponsor the show, that would be a bit of all right as well. I want to let listeners who might be in the range of Los Angeles, California, on Saturday, June 11th, know that I will be moderating a very cool event, Dana Carvey's very first podcast. That is his own podcast, Where that he will be doing with his two sons, Dex and Tom. Of course, he's been on Succotash a a number of times before, but he's decided to start rolling out his own and has asked me to help him out by sort of being the um, master of ceremonies, I guess, uh, to get things rolling. They have joined me back in February for our first live Succotash show at the same place, the Comedy Lab at the Improv in West Hollywood. They liked that experience so much that he and the boys decided, you know what, let's do this more often. So, who knows? I'm going to do the first one, and if I behave myself, maybe I'll do more after that. Uh, once again, that's at the Comedy Lab next to the Improv in West Hollywood. That's all I really know about it. Don't know whether you can buy advanced tickets or what. Best I can suggest, until I know more, is to keep checking in at hollywood.improv.com and click on the link to their calendar because uh, the show is not listed on there yet. So, until that happens, nothing's going to happen. Another thing I've started trying out is using a new app called Spare Men. S-P-A-R-E-M-I-N. It allows folks to call other folks back when they want to and with a five minute time limit. Plus you can record the call. So I thought it might be fun to have that as an alternative to the Succotash hotline because rather than just leaving me a voicemail, you can use the app to send me a request, and when I have time to chat, I will call you back. The app automatically records the call, and then I can play it back right here on the show. As part of the Tweet Sack segment or Gosh, anywhere else I want to. So check that out. It's called Men. You can download it now at the Apple App Store, and I think it's also available for Android phones as well. Okay, enough about me. Let's talk about what I've got for you. This is a Succotash Clips episode, and I have to mainly thank our erstwhile associate producer, Tyson Sainer, for supplying the bulk of the clips we have on tap for you this time around. We also have one that was submitted by a podcaster by using our upload link at hightail.com slash u slash Succotash. And even I did a little work in the clip department, but not very much. All in all, we're featuring clips from Awesome Etiquette, Chill Pack Hollywood Hour, The Late Show, Tonight's Watch, Obsessed with Joseph Scrimshaw, Savage Henry, The Schmooze Cast, Secret Skin, The Slant, and Wise Kraken with Winter. In addition to the clippage, we're featuring a double dose of our celebrated Burst Durst segment with political comedian and social commentator Mr. Will Durst. I also have some exciting news about Durst that I will tell you about in a few minutes. Our own Mr. Saner has also supplied us with one of his amazing pieces of music made up of bits and clips from a podcast, this time Todd Glass along with Nick Thune. Tyson has also supplied us with a brand new instrumental track to play under our celebration of thanks coming up near the end of the show. All right, let's do the Durst, shall we? Our resident raging moderate has a few things to say about, you guessed it, Donald Trump.
4: Hey guys, Will Durst here with a few choice words concerning the Republican Party rallying around the man looking more and more like their presumptive nominee, Donald J. Trump. Well, perhaps rally is too strong of a word. More of a depressed dawdle, a lackluster loiter, melancholy mosey. They're exhibiting all the enthusiasm of a condemned man walking barefoot to the gallows up 13 steps of broken glass. Too bad Elizabeth Kubler-Ross died a decade ago, or she could have witnessed her five stages of grief all being experienced at the same time. Depending on where you look, the GOP is going through denial, anger, bargaining, depression, and just barely acceptance. Not to mention desolation, mortification, and suicidal gloom. The way party regulars are dragging their feet on the path to partner with Trump, you'd swear they were wearing concrete galoshes, encased in lead, dragging supergravity anvils. There's no jumping out of this bleak bandwagon. More like sliding on surreptitiously from the shadows in the back when family members aren't watching. Plenty of Republicans still cling to their desperate hope of denying the New York businessmen their nomination. The problem is, none of them get along with one another. The Ted Cruz-John Kasich partnership had a shorter run than a box of cupcakes in a preschool daycare center after a five-mile hike. Snowflakes in hell have lasted longer. And to further nail down the fires of perdition analogy, former Speaker of the House John Boehner called Cruz Lucifer in the flesh. Although another Republican congressman, Peter King in New York, argued that by doing so, Boehner was giving Lucifer a bad name. With friends like these, who needs enemas? To his credit, you have to admit, Ted Cruz certainly is able to incite passion. Then again, so does flesh-eating bacteria. For Suckatash, the comedy podcast podcast, I'm Will Durst.
3: Thank you, Will. As I mentioned it a little tiny bit ago, I have news about Durst, and that is, he is going to be on Suckatash, not just in his usual short two-minute bursties of Dursties, oh no. Our very next installment of Suckatash Chats will feature my face-to-face interview with Will that I held a couple of weeks ago in the green room at the storied Punchline Comedy Club in downtown San Francisco. Until that time, however, you may continue to seek him out at his home, at his home site, com, or peek at his tweets, at WillDurst, on Twitter. Hard to believe, but our friends in podcasting, Dean Haglund and Phil Larness, the hosts of Chill Pack Hollywood Hour, just kicked off their 10th year of changing the way you listen to the internet, as well as providing middle-to-high-class entertainment for those with the ears to hear it. I'm happy to announce that sometime during year nine, our false feud came to an end, and so we can, once again, bring you a taste of the chill. Dean Haglund, welcome to year 10 of your
5: Chill Pack Hollywood Hour.
2: It's as if we've never stopped podcasting ever.
5: (laughs) Well, we really haven't. I mean... That was the whole way we became podcast royalty, uh, apparently, <laughs> according to Mark Hershon, <laughs> of Suckatash. Suckatash! Uh, because we were among, I guess we weren't uh, the original group of podcasters, but we were certainly uh, in the height of the first wave of podcasting. Right. And then we were the only ones from that wave still doing it when the second big wave hit.
2: Yeah, when the big, uh, yeah. How are they waves of podcasts? I still don't understand. I don't even know right. how they're
5: podcasts. I mean, nobody... <laughs> they, iPods aren't even made anymore. So I... I know. You so know, we should really
2: get another name for that.
5: Year 10... What? By year 20, we'll have a different name for it. It'll right. be Dean and Phil in your brain, implanted in your yeah. brain, <laughs> on a weekly Basis. Hey, do you have you done your uh that Sydney uh comedy festival yet or is that coming up end of the month? Uh,
2: no, I did. I did uh one part of it and I um I did, yeah, that already happened. That was a, a show called I Can Top That, where uh four comics to sit on stage, you got a topic and then you tell true stories, and then the next person goes, Oh, I can top that story, and then you tag each other out. Uh, Le- launching over each other in a h- horrible one-up-and-ship <laughs> of storytelling. Did you win? Uh, you know, there was no winning, per se, because uh, the- it's different topics and stuff like that. But I did tell some very, very funny stories. Did you win? Over- <laughs> yeah, 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 okay, I won. I won. <laughs> I Because <have>, honestly, <laughs> I have a
5: hard time believing that you would get that competitive jumping over the people and everything.
2: No, you know, that's the thing. I, I'm not that competitive. I think it was just a, uh, a thing to draw the audience in to make it sound like it's going to be, oh, it's competition. And then it's just instead of, I, you know, what are you going to call the show? Four guys sitting around chatting. Uh,
5: <laughs> <laughs> well, that sounds like our show.
2: <laughs> yeah, exactly. only it's
5: half that good.
2: <laughs> but it was funny and lots of funny stories, you know, including the my favorite, uh, 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 Mark, uh, Craig Glazier, uh, Stanford and Sons Comedy Club, and his true story of how he created uh, Miami Vice. He created Miami Vice. Well, yeah, but he didn't profit from it.
3: Oh. Uh, Well, this sounds like a horribly not funny story.
2: (laughs) It's actually horribly not funny.
3: Here's to another decade of fine podcasting, you royal podcasters. Dear listeners, find Dean and Phil at their home site, chillpackhollywood.com, that's C-H-I-L-L-P-A-K, hollywood.com, or through their esteemed network, Blog Talk Radio. This episode of Suckatash, the comedy podcast podcast, by the way, is brought to you by Henderson's Beaver Tail Jeans.
0: Hello, friends. Bill Haywatt here. You know, now that the spring fashion season is upon us, it only makes sense that now is the time for the good people at Henderson's Pants to unveil their newest development in practical yet stylish leg coverings. Remember those early 2000 odds, when many young women decided to get outrageous lower back tattoos as a testament to their youth and vitality? Well, they just wanted to be seen as individuals, just like everyone else. And so the tramp stamp was born yes friends they lived by the credo of YOLO Well, you may only live once, but that stupid butt-brand is going to hang around forever. (laughs) Well, now that we're halfway through the second decade of the 21st century, those women are now not so young. And while many of them may have wound up in biker gangs or metal bands or correctional facilities, most have children and responsible jobs where such tattoos are frowned upon. But now there's no need to go through the pain, shame, and expense of tattoo removal. Not with the all new Henderson's Beaver Tail Jeans. Each pair of Henderson's Beaver Tail Jeans comes with an extra flap of material just above the backside, extending above the waistline, and covering up any offensive back ink you may have acquired back in your wild days. Which means you get to keep your tattoo and eat it, too. <laughs> Figuratively speaking, of course. Originally designed for Eleanor Roosevelt, Mamie Eisenhower, and Barbara Bush, Henderson's beaver-tailed jeans are available anywhere women are working their way through college by taking off their clothes for money. That's Henderson's pants, makers of coveralls and some since 1896. And now... Back to, yes, you guessed it, Succotash.
3: Why, thank you, Bill Haywatt. Also, special thanks to our friend comic Harry White from New York for that ad. I did a little fiddling with the copy because our announcer, Bill Haywatt, needs things just so, but the kudos all go to Harry, so thanks for sending that in, Harry. Our friend Tyson grabbed a couple of clips from shows associated with the Infinite Guest Network of Podcasts, so I'm going to feature them here two in a row. The first is Secret Skin, hosted by musician and sometimes comedian Mike Eagle. He was recently on Mark Marin's WTF for a brief visit to talk to uh, Mark about music and his latest work, which sounds pretty awesome, uh, an album he's just released. For his own podcast, Secret Skin, Mike and his guest usually poke around behind the scenes of the hip hop world, but recently his guest was comedian Nick Thune. And they got into a lot of topics, such as why Nick gave up one-liners and his guitar on stage to talk about who Jesus would want to hang out with if he was around today, and also some embarrassing stories. Nick shares the somewhat disgraceful way he ended his career as a car salesman, and Mike shares a story so embarrassing that, until now, he's only told four people. And, of course, now, me and you. The stories that you're doing now are those more
6: true cuz they seem All to be true. more from your life they're
7: right? from real and there's definitely like a joke you know like there's jokes in of course like, of course but like you know really the to me the truth of it and the funny thing is, is i didn't have permission from my wife to start doing those at right, first which right. you kind of have to get and which i've realized like and she just told me i couldn't talk about something that happened to us that was so insane that it it kills
6: me inside to know that I can't, <laughs> you, can't fucking... you know it's funny cuz i was looking at your um one of your tonight show bits today uh, and it was a story about when the dog oh ate the e have around yeah oh my god that was so hilarious i'm a i'm an edibles guy like that's mm-hmm. that's my hang mm-hmm. um so i was just so there like i got it and then the dog yeah you know i, yeah. I fantastic and it reminded me of this story in my life I've never told anybody. Well, I've told like four people because I used to be so terribly embarrassed about it. And I still am a little bit, but now so much time has passed. Mm-hmm. And I understand that I didn't do that much damage. But um, I wanted to share with you. Yes. <laughs> you And and as a you – know, well, I, it's so funny because it's like one of those stories where I want to just say what happened first and then tell you why it happened rather mm-hmm. than tell a conventional story. But basically – I got my baby drunk. Ooh. My baby drunk. By accident, of course. Yeah. Got him so drunk when he was like, he was like 18 months. Oh, God. I had a buddy in town uh, that I went to college with. He was in the Marines. He was down in like that Oceanside base. And uh, we had him over at our house and he made a bunch of sangria. And uh, he ended up putting it in a normal juice bottle. And it was kind of the same color. And um when I poured my kid's bottle, I poured I poured him a sangria bottle. And he drank about a third of it before I realized. Like, why is why does his breath smell like <laughs> Oh my god <laughs> What was his
7: reaction? I mean
6: he just he was just uh suddenly less coordinated and he it really just knocked and Sangria him out.
7: is just red wine, right? Um I don't really know. I don't I know. It it's, smells like wine. Yeah. It's it's a wine based. Stuff. Yeah, and it's like yeah. fruit in it and stuff. Yeah, there's no liquor. Yeah. So yeah, you that's. You you, I mean, I out. got my baby drunk is a great line in a chorus.
6: By the way. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and now, now it can't be told. I mean, now, now I'm telling the world. Yeah. yeah. But I, I got inspired by your uh, your dog the vulnerability. Yeah. Well, you know what inspired me to
7: to be real, and I, maybe I should tell Hannibal this at some point, but I just couldn't fucking believe that he was on stage telling people that. He pissed his pants on ecstasy. Yeah. And I remember seeing that like, okay, I, I've peed my pants before as an adult. Yeah. I'm not, yeah, it's happened. It's embarrassing. Yeah. But like his vulnerability in that moment was like, God, what what risk am I, how am I being vulnerable right, right. now? You know, like, because it feels so good when you are like, it just feels so good that, that you like, you own it. Right you know, like the owning of it and like saying like, fuck you. I don't care. Yeah. I'd piss my
6: pants. Yeah. I mean, there, <laughs> there, there's, there's a certain, there's a certain strength or, or victory and conquering embarrassment. Especially yeah. Especially because like in, in some senses, like short of death, being embarrassed seems like the worst thing you can be. Mm-hmm. And when, yeah. And when you own it, it's just, it's incredible. Like I had, I have this song about this one time when, um, I was in Detroit and I was sound checking and, um, the stage was kind of high and I was like, I had just been dr- driving all day and I was feeling kind of like spry. And so I like leaped up onto the stage rather than take the stairs. And my fucking pants just exploded. <laughs> like if there like was like a split with the scene, but they just completely just wait. Pfft, sound like, check. Yeah. So, okay. so it's not a room full of people, but there's bands. There's, there's, yeah, you yeah. know, there's, and I, I didn't have any more pants with me. So I had to just, I had to walk to my car. Find a Target, drive there, get out, and go buy pants, like, with with all of my... Thank God you had time.
3: Yeah, thank God I had time. That's Mike Eagle with guest Nick Thune, and you can find secret skin at his home site, InfiniteGuest.org, as well as iTunes, Stitcher, and all the other joints where such frivolity is to be had. The second show that Tyson has pruned a snippet from on the Infinite Guest Network is Awesome Etiquette. And it seems like this show is actually hosted by a couple of folks with some manners in their DNA. Lizzie Post and Daniel Post-Senning are both with the Emily Post Institute. And for those of you who may be so gauche as to not know, Emily Post literally wrote the book on manners and etiquette in 1922. Now, both hosts don't have Post in their name by amazing coincidence. It turns out that they are the great-great-grandchildren of the Grand Dame of Manners. Our clip has been clupped from Epi 79 from March 14th, entitled, It's My Party and I'll DJ If I Want To. Although this is from the Postscript segment of the show, where the hosts read an excerpt from Emily Post's writings called, By Motor to the Golden Gate. So now we're to that part of the show
8: that we call the Postscript, where we like to dive a little bit deeper into an etiquette topic.
9: This week, we've decided to give you another reading from one of our favorite Emily books. By Motor to the Golden Gate was a serial that she had written about her actual cross-country road trip that she took. In 1914. In 1914. It's a really fun book. It's full of adventure, and it shows Emily's cheekier side, too, which is a lot of fun. Our reading today comes from page 111. And it's is—it's about speed, actually, and I think this shows a little bit of our great-great-grandma's character. The very sound Nebraska correlates dragged road speed. Just so you know, she used a lot of exclamation points in her writing. While you are still gently running through the picturesque Sir Joshua Reynolds scenery of the River to River Road in Iowa, you find that your mind is developing an anticipatory speed craze. So thoroughly imbued has your mind become with the fast road idea that the very ground has a speed gift in its dragged surface. What if your engine is barely capable of 40 miles an hour? That miraculously fast stretch magically carries you at the easiest 50. If you have a big, powerful engine, you forget that ordinarily you dislike whizzing across the surface of the Earth. And for just this once... Even though you think of it more in terror than in joy, you are approaching the raceway of America, and you, too, are going to race. We must be sure that everything is in perfect running order, you exclaim excitedly, as you picture your car leaping out of Omaha and shooting to Denver while scarcely turning over its engine. Not many stopping places, you are told. What matter is that to you? You're not thinking of stopping at all. North plate, perhaps, yes, 330 miles in a day is just a nice little fast road run. A nice little witch, says the head of a garage in Omaha. We'll leave early, you continue unheeding, and make a dash across the continental speedway. See here, stranger, says the garage man. What state of fast circuits do you think you're in? This is Nebraska, and the speed limit is 20 miles. 20 miles a minute, you gasp? That certainly is speed, the garage man half-edges away from you. From here to Denver is about 35 hours straight traveling. You gotta slow down to 8 miles through towns, and you can't go over 20 miles an hour nowheres. When you manage to get a little breath into your collapsed lungs, you say dazedly, but we're going over the fast-dragged road. Roads fast enough, but the law'll have you if you drive it faster than 20 miles an hour. If you can find the joke in all of this, you have a more humorous mental equipment and a sweeter disposition than we had. Across Nebraska... From the last good hotel in Omaha to the first comfortable one in Denver or Cheyenne is over 500 miles. At the prescribed speed of about 17 miles an hour average, it means literally a pleasant little run of between 30 and 40 hours along a road dead level wide straight, and where often, as far as the eye can see, there is not even a shack in the dimmest distance, and the only settlers to be seen are prairie dogs. If between Omaha and Cheyenne there were three or four attractive, clean little places to stop, or if the Nebraska speed laws were abolished or disregarded and it didn't rain, you could motor to the heart of the Rocky Mountains with the utmost ease and comfort. Oh, great. Great grandmama. She could turn a phrase, but I'll tell you what really jumps out at me is her attitude about rules. I know (laughs) they were made to be broken. But they're made to be broken. But she stays within them too.
1: We we often talk about you gotta know the rules to know when and how and where to break them. I love that. This is a good example of such thinking.
9: I love that she could embrace the thrill of traveling these Nebraska roads, which if you've ever driven through Nebraska, it is it is large and flat and you do just just kind of want to bomb through it. Like All it's right. fun. you're probably
3: asking yourself the same thing I asked myself, which is why the heck is the comedy podcast podcast featuring a clip about etiquette? Well, our associate producer Tyson tried to rationalize supplying this clip to us by saying, It seems like etiquette could not be more opposite to comedy. Well you know what? I'm going to beg to differ, Tyson. In fact, I recently reviewed another etiquette podcast called Schmanners, and it's pretty damned entertaining. Well, so is this one. Remember, it was called Awesome Etiquette. You can find it at the Infinite Guest Network at infiniteguest.org slash awesome-etiquette. I know none of you are writing that down right now, but if you would like to visit their website, you can visit our website, succotashshow.com, Check out the blog for this episode and click on their title that you'll see there. It'll take you right to their website. We do that as a free courtesy. So there, that's just for you and the podcasters. Our next clip comes directly from the podcasters themselves. The folks over at The Slant uploaded this to us at our direct upload site, hightailcom slash U slash That's the letter U. And I wish they'd sent a little bit more background. Now, they do have a Libs site and a Facebook page and a Twitter account, and don't get me wrong, The Slant is constantly retweeting our stuff, and they are very supportive. We love them here. But I just don't know that much about them. I know that the ringleader is someone named Sal. And then there's Lisa, and Aunt and Christine. There may be more. I honestly can't tell. And they sometimes have guests, which makes it even more complicated. Is this clip you're about to hear the clip I would have selected? I don't know that it is, but they did, and you take from that what you will. Without f- further ado, here's a taste of the slant. You know what we were talking
10: about, too, was fucking, I was scarred from an early age for pooping in public. That's why I held it so long. You were at dinner last night, Irina. Mean, uh, you know, when we were talking about Darren, that's who we were talking yeah, about, and Katie, Lisa and me. So, fucking, yeah, we were talking about when I was in like grade school, I, it was one of the times I couldn't wait, so I went to poop in the bathroom and I never understood why they can't make stall doors that go all the way to the floor like why would they just I do been that? I've been in one
5: nice. I've been in
10: one on Staten Island in Sweet 16 it was, it was a, so awesome right you're like why would they fucking do this everywhere oh, yeah. because
8: you have it to it be able to see if somebody's in there like the guy that died at Perkins and we found him underneath the door well don't do heroin that should just be the social <laughs> responsibility
10: <laughs> don't, don't do heroin, heroin. when you lock the door you know they're in there or have the thing where they turn it, it says vacant or yes, occupied, occupied. Yeah, that's but um helpful. So I went in And I was like In first or second grade And then the special ed kid Was in the bathroom And he peeked his head under And he went Hi And I was
11: like Oh no I was so
10: nice back I was like Hi But I Ever since then I was like The special I was scared The special ed kids Would come in When I'm pooping oh, And look It ruined it for me Christine These people will poop in public I can't do it Because of that
8: <laughs> and at once when, I was- when you're sitting like say you you're gonna shit your pants right so you have to go in public you're gonna die yeah. you're gonna explode when you sit there do you envision like a special ed child putting his head under the be ah. like hello I fear it oh my god that's hysterical
10: any, any special needs child could pop up at any moment oh under the floor he felt the need he had to do like there was no he didn't understand the common decency of when I'm pooping I don't want nobody bothering me Oh,
12: he, how little were you
10: I was in first and second grade oh, you
13: were fucking little it goes back further
9: than
10: Kindergarten we had the bathroom in the classroom and it was nap time I was like nobody's going to the bathroom now. I never slept in nap time, I was like it's happening now. So I went in the bathroom to shit. There was no toilet paper, but there was a box of baby wipes. And I was like, excellent. When it was time to wipe, I opened up that box of baby wipes. There was nothing in it. Oh, there was. Every one of them was used and put back in the fucking box. <laughs> That's why I don't care what's happening in Mother Earth, I flush those toilet, those fucking baby wipes every time. Cut away. Because what are you supposed to do? Put them in the garbage? Yeah. there shit sitting there? Yeah. Uh-huh. Every, I just imagine, I sent a picture of my fellow classmates' faces just sticking their shitty fucking so excited. baby wipes. And you know, one person yeah. probably did it, and the second person was like, oh, this is where you put them. And oh fucking.
12: My God. And then you know
10: what? No I didn't even think of at the time? When they. <laughs> it was a semi new package. Because you were in fucking kindergarten. Yeah. Okay. It was a semi new package. And people were stuffing it back in, you wouldn't you have to dig under the shitty ones <laughs> to get to the new ones. <laughs> Yep. <laughs> like, my, my public pooping experiences have been ruined. High school at St. Joseph by the sea oh, so no, We used to sneak st- <laughs> st- Laura Amato During fucking anatomy class In there smoke cigarettes with us So we had a girl in there One time a teacher came in And she had to like stand up On the toilet to hide Anyway So I was at a wrestling meet We came back late Nobody's in the school I'm like I can finally shit In the school with nobody In the school This is going to be great So I'm in the middle of it Vincent DeMondo walks in
14: Uh oh <laughs> I was like Dude. He ruined
10: my first grade dream Like he ruined it A private school with nobody in it And it's just me And I could just go wherever I want Is
8: that what you dream? dream about man I,
10: I often was like imagine if I could poop in school and there's not any threat of any special needs children poking their head underneath just to say you hi you
0: are a twisted twisted <laughs> twisted twisted individual it was done to me you are twisted you really are twisted
10: so, yeah. but I can't say to. that
8: I was pooping once in a special needs <laughs> child put <with> their fucking head <laughs> on the door so if you
10: sewed your asshole shut and kept feeding me yeah, you're feeding.
8: yeah how long do you think it would take before something would go horribly wrong I'd give it, it three is. days yeah, like a, a week, week. I'd say a week A week? A week A week depending but on you But you would literally week. feel, feel like shit I Do mean d- Does anybody
15: want to try this? No, no.
10: Who's going to sew my ass all closed? special needs <laughs> need <laughs> child I guess I was right Hey
14: uh. <laughs> It was Anthony
1: actually You think <laughs> I can sue the,
10: the Department of Education For no. my shit being fucked up no. For the rest of my no. life?
15: No, no
14: I think you just need therapy <laughs> Who
10: is watching that child? I want to find him today And you know, on like 2020 <laughs> Like confront him <laughs> You think he'd understand the magnitude? Like, I, I can't
1: shit in public. We gotta a content Maury, because I feel like this is
8: yeah, a good Maury say. episode.
10: Maury. Yeah, he has a family now, he's kind of well-adjusted. He's, just he's not
8: special
0: needs at all. <laughs> <laughs> you have this like twisted fucking memory. You were hoping it was special needs because yeah, he saw you naked. Like, like, but... No,
8: that's just the way he says hi. Yeah. <laughs> <All right. laughs>
10: hey, my, my memory. It's, it's just Anthony's like... daughter. <laughs> it's a special like, kid. The memory's all dark and grainy.
7: <laughs>
10: she just put a hand and she's like, no, no, no,
14: no, no. <laughs> no. Yes, please. Put it in my yes,
3: yes, please. <laughs> Find the slant over at theslant.libsyn.com, as well as on iTunes and other places where RSS feeds are grabbed without so much as a buy your leave. What I love most about podcasting is that pretty much anything goes. And I do mean anything. I mean the slant gang was just talking about taking a dump. And up next is a spin-off podcast from The Late Show with Stephen Colbert called Tonight's Watch. It's ostensibly a weekly update about HBO's Game of Thrones series, and they're on episode 3, but they all kind of go the same. Well, listen for yourself.
15: Greetings, Throners, and welcome to Tonight's Watch, part of The Late Show Pod People Network, brought to you by this week's sponsor, Dave's Used Lawnmower. Works great, 75 bucks or best offer. Ask for Dave. I'm Duncan, and I'm joined this week by Maester Text-to-Speech, a robot that has been programmed to analyze Game of Thrones. Say hello, Maester Text-to-Speech. Game
16: of Thrones.
15: That's right. Let's start unpacking this week's episode. What stuck out most to me has got to be Bran's flashback. It's an exciting scene, but it differs from the book in several crucial ways. Game of Thrones. Well, yes, if you'll just let me finish. Now, what Bran sees takes place during Robert's Rebellion, so-called because the main insurgent is named Robert.
16: Game of Thrones.
15: May text-to-speech, please? You need to let me finish my analysis. This is the golden age of television. Game of Thrones. Game of Thrones. Uh, Hold on. Uh, Maybe if I adjust the settings on this. Here we go game of
3: game if game game if game if game of game game of game all the episodes so far and just as abruptly as that one who does that? Stephen Colbert that's who. Kudos. Now give us one for the Walking Dead. You can find those updates up on iTunes, believe it or not. Now winter is coming. Let's grab a little musical breather. Winter is coming. Not yet, but soon. I promise. Let's grab a little musical breather, courtesy of the latest by Tyson Saner, which he's calling "Off Your Feet," with samples from the Todd Glass Show with Todd and guest Nick Thune.
14: One and a two and a one, two, three. What's that mean when you say What's that mean? Ay 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 ay. What's that mean? Ay 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 ay. What's that mean? Ay 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 ay. What's that mean when you say I a a a ay ay ay. What's that mean? Ay 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 ay. What's that mean? Ay 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 What's that mean? Ay 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 What's that mean? Ay 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 ay. What's that mean when you say What's that mean when you say I ay mean when you say ay 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 when you say ay 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 what's that mean what's that mean mean when you say ay ay when you
13: say ay 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 what's that mean what's that mean what's that mean when you say I ay 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 aye 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 ay aye ay 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 feet and dance, dance, dance. Hey, you dumper, get off the feet and dance, dance, Get off the feet and dance, dance. Everybody dance, dance, Get off the feet and dance, dance. Hey, you dumper, get off the feet and dance, dance. Get off the feet and dance, dance. Everybody dance, dance, Everybody dance, dance. Get off the feet and dance, dance. Hey, you dumper, get off the feet and dance, dance. Beat and dance, dance
3: Tyson really does a great job sampling this stuff. You can check out his music over at SoundCloud.com. Just hop on over and type in Tyson T Y S O N Saner S A N E R in the search field, and you'll uh, turn up his music. I'll also have a link up at Suckatashow.com in the blog piece for Epi One Three Three, which this happened to be. All right, that same associate producer Tyson Saner is has unearthed yet another podcast I've never heard of called Wise Cracking with Winter. It features Mike Winter, who, according to the podcast's about page, quote, brings decades of entertainment experience, including television, radio and live performances in his commentary on topics ranging from challenges of doing stand up at Ebola clinics, how to win shots at a drinking contest with an authoritarian dictator debating the severity of erectile dysfunction after athletes abuse steroids for years to trying to figure out how to repurpose the thousands of discarded jerseys of disgraced football players, unquote. What does that all mean? I'm not sure. But I will warn you that if you are squeamish about slang terms of female anatomy, you might want to skip past this next part, which involves Mike ride-sharing with two drunk girls.
1: Mm-hmm. What else we going to do this show, kids? How about we listen to two drunk chicks who were in the back of my car one night when I was doing a rideshare ride argue about the worst thing to call another woman. It's fascinating stuff.
3: What's I a worse know. word, cunt or twat?
4: Cunt.
11: They're both oh. mad. See you can't ask me that question because I, I if you say cunt I will laugh my ass off. Like I can't. I can't help it. I just think it's funny and I think it's not offensive.
1: In my own way. Oh. Tell me a good drunk girl story drunk about that girl. drunk girl story.
11: Are you really recording it? Yeah, I'm really
1: recording it. No,
11: that's fucking awesome. that's like the um, a good drunk story. I know another one on
1: the spot. Well, just retell the story about the woman at the bar that called you a sluts? sluts. Yeah, that's a funny story.
11: She literally she, like seemed like, came like our up. friends. No, she, she came seemed up like our friends.
1: We are Everybody's friends at the karaoke bar, right? Until I know, things go wrong. Yeah, She's like
11: it's, a bunny I would love to sing Shoop all night long.
4: A little Salt and Pepper?
12: Yeah.
11: Amelia salt and Pepper to you. Shoop, Shoop, <laughs> I fucking didn't know that song. And like. then we sang Grease.
3: Um, <laughs> Which Grease she song? Said,
11: by me under the sand, she would buy me. Under awesome. I don't even fucking know. If I mean, no, I'm singing the like terrible now.
1: What song were you singing when the woman called you guys sluts? Um, were you we not
11: weren't singing? singing. We weren't singing. It literally it was like I was saying bye to my brother, Jan. It was just that, and it was like, fuck you, bitches.
1: And then this woman just comes dirty, up and says, you're a
2: couple you're of... Dirty
11: yeah, she's dirty like, no, fun. she didn't you're knock us because she got us sluts.
2: Sluts. She
11: was like, you two are sluts. And I was like, we're the furthest? Like, we were just dancing, like, not even bad. Like, we were just having fun. You
1: ever thought of, oh, what's the definition of a slut?
11: A slut, okay, see, that's funny. No, 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 no. Because, okay, there's a difference on a slut category. Okay. Because you can be a slut and you can sleep around with a lot of men, women, whatever whatever you prefer. Okay. But the fact that a person who doesn't even know who you are calls you a slut, I feel like... That makes them a slut, because they're jealous.
3: <laughs>
1: what's, what's worse, being called a slut or a twat?
11: I think, t- I Maybe. can't even say that word, it's that one. A twat. A twat?
1: A twat? Ah! Yeah.
11: A twat, I don't even know what a twat means, it's like a vagina, right?
6: Yeah, I think yes. so.
11: Yeah. You don't even know what that means? No, I, I understand, like, it means a vagina, obviously, but like... It's just, it's just rude.
1: What's the funnest word to say? Cunt, bitch, or twat?
11: <laughs>
14: cunt.
1: Oh, yeah.
11: You dirty little cunt, you. <laughs> How funny is that? That's so funny. That's funny. It is. And bitch, no. Fuck, fuck, bitch.
3: <laughs>
11: I, I don't understand, actually, though, why people get... Why... Women get so offended. We weren't even by doing bitch. anything. Like we were literally just hanging out there. No, but I don't understand why people get offended by bitch, by, by being a slut. Because okay, the only thing I got offended by is the fact that she she actually she called us a slut, and that was kind of rude.
1: You should have slapped her
4: in her face.
11: Yeah, you know I'm not a mean person though. Uh huh. No. Um, and people be people
1: <laughs> people be people that's people a good be way people. that's a good way to go through life with people that. be people <laughs> yeah people be people
11: why you gotta be so rude and then that's what happens
1: I guess maybe you gotta stay out of the karaoke
15: clubs for a while
11: maybe but actually uh, I mean, just know shoot we had so much fun though we, we had, had fun, fun. And, okay. no I had fun till the end too Till the end. Oh wait, this is our house. No, not yet. Yeah, that's our house. It's that house. No, no. This no. right here, that that one. Oh, there's a white fence. It's the same. Yeah. Here's Sorry. our house right here.
3: Hang out and do some wise cracking with Mike at his home site, Get no G dot com, or on iTunes or anywhere else. Podcasts are widely distributed. All right, true confession time. I'm going to let you know a little something about myself you probably don't know. And that that is that I used to write for a number of comedy publications in the mid to late 80s. One was a monthly comedy newspaper called Just for Laughs, not associated with the comedy festival in Montreal. Another was Laugh Tracks, published by a great crazy comedy manager in L.A. named Rick Siegel. And another was called Comedy USA, a magazine run by a stand-up comic who became a very good friend of mine over the years, Barry Weintraub. Because I didn't want to be seen uh, as a guy writing for all three of the only three publications in the country, I wrote under the name M.C. Sloan for Comedy USA, and a good time was had by all. Anyway, that's a long way of getting around to telling you that Barry has been working to resurrect the Comedy USA name in several ways, and one of those is a comedy podcast called The Schmooze Cast. He's been recording in a sound booth that's been built at Comic Strip Live in New York, and recently he had an episode featuring comedian John Mulrooney. John's a great guy who I met a number of times over the years. He's still working today, but when he's not doing comedy gigs, he works as a patrolman for the Coxsackie Police Department in upstate New York. And I love that name, Coxsackie Police Department. (laughs) How do you arrest anyone with a straight face when you're a proud member of the Coxsackie Police Force. All right. In this clip, John talks about the business of show business and about the amazing abilities of old comics to perform well past their expiration dates.
16: And in the beginning, I did not approach it as show business. It was show personal. I took these things personally that, and that were simply business. Uh, remember Richard Crenna? Sure. Uh, Richard krenner for anybody who might not know who that is uh, is an actor he probably in a later part of his career was in uh, played the uh, commanding officer in the first Rambo movie right. but he had a really you know long you know well-established career he was on uh, the real McCoy's and a couple other shows anyway I saw him one night on the Tonight show and he said here's how, here's how your cycle of of the of your career goes in show business first it's who's Dick Crenna, then it's, we want Dick Crenna, then it's, we want a young Dick Crenna, then who's Dick Crenna? And that's how, it, that's, that's, you know, basically how it is. But the irony, the irony in it is, when I started out, the guys that we dismissed, or at least I dismissed, were the guys like the, you know, Jack Carter, Jackie Mason, Milton Berle, I would see these guys come in, you know, they were in there, you know, they're late fifties, they're sixties. Some of them getting into their seventies, maybe even eighties. Henny Youngman, you know, and I'd be like, these, are you "Kidding me? Get these guys out of here!" Until I saw them perform. It's one thing about a veteran comic if they keep at it. You better step back because I remember the first time Burl followed me at the Improv in, in L.A. And I, I mean, he came in. I was closing the show, but he came in unexpectedly. Bud put him up, Bud Friedman, and I thought, "This is dinosaur going to do well." dinosaur he was a t-rex really he got on and i'm telling you dismantled the place and you've seen me work and i'm thinking how the hell i left him nothing wrong milton Burl. milton i had Berle. no idea
15: milton Burl ever stepped foot near the improv or yep. any of Those
16: yeah he crushed it crushed it
5: i mean i worked with any youngman in uh, fort myers florida for a week or maybe it was four days and after the first night when he knocked the rust off it was crazy <laughs> like that first night he hadn't worked in a long time and i'm like oh yeah like you say he's just an old space kid and then bang second night and by the second show on that second night yeah he's a machine
16: machine same thing happened george burns 1985 i was working here in new york i'm on the very first TV show that that had stand-up comics syndicated was called Comedy Tonight. Yeah. Do you do you remember it?
12: Boggs and and Messina. Right. right?
16: It's when uh, Metro Media Television became Fox. Well, we had we Boggs scored, Baker. Bo- I'm sorry. Uh, Richard it was Baker Boggs Baker. Baker right. Correct. Boggs Baker production. We we scored a coup by getting George Burns to appear on the show. I was doing studio warm-ups, and. George Burns was running a little late and the producer said, Would you run down? His limo should be pulling up shortly. Just bring him in and take him right to the dressing room. No problem. I go down, here big stretch of his limo, door swings open. Now I'm six foot. I put my hand on top of the open door as 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 and my other extend my other hand as if say, Mr. Burns, you know, my name is John Mulrooney, please welcome to didn't say a word. He was so small, and in addition to being small, He had the posture of a boiled shrimp. (laughs) You know what I mean? You know what I mean? He literally walked, was able to clear my arm, which was on top of the open limo door. He went right under it. That's how hunched over he was. And behind him, his manager holding two styrofoam heads with two wigs. One wig was, I just got my hair cut. And the other wig was, my hair's a little long. I need a haircut. Because George Burns was completely bald.
8: No shit. Yeah,
16: so they come in, and I show them to the dressing room, and George Burns was acting demented. He was talking to himself. He was poking things on the table like there's a cup of coffee here. He tapped the lid and go, <laughs> coffee and that over there, and he moved this around, and he go, he <laughs> And I'd be like, anything, Mr. Burns? No. I. You sure? No. I beelined right to the producer, and i go, Stop the presses. You cannot put him on. And they go, what are you talking about? I said, go in the dressing room and look. I said, "He's something wrong with him. I said, he's out of his mind. They said, he's George Burns. I go, I'm giving you a warning right now. You go in that dressing room and you see the guy that's in there, you're not going to put him on television. He's out, He's crazy. And they said, we can't do that. He's George Burns, blah, blah, blah. Showtime, they bring him out from the back. He He had the same magnetic charisma that eddie murphy had i could not believe it he walked out the doors opened up for him he stepped onto his mark and he dismantled the place
3: you can find episodes of the schmooze cast at comedyusa.com and that's about it barry has yet to master how to get the show up on itunes but he will he's a very determined fellow uh so look for comedyusa.com Tyson Sainer recently moved from the Great Northwest, somewhere near Seattle, to his old stomping grounds near Arcata, California, which is in Humboldt County. It turns out there's a humor magazine in these, those parts called Savage Henry, and once every couple of weeks, the owner-editor Chris Durant puts out a podcast called the Savage Henry Magazine radio program. On the show that Tyson snagged this clip from, he's joined by special co-host Matt Redbeard and guest comedian Dash Kwikowski. Kwiat, 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 uh, look look at it on the blog, dash Kwiatkowski.
8: My New Year's resolution has been to say on brand more, and I'm fucking crushing it, you guys. I'm saying on brand so much more.
12: That is on brand of you. I d- you know, okay, so I didn't have a New Year's resolution until I realized that I actually did <laughs> the other day when I uh, was uh, looking at Nathan Davis Floyd. Was hanging out with him, and uh-huh. I realized I, I made a conscious effort uh, to stop calling him white so much. <laughs> <laughs> it's so hard to dude because yeah. he's the whitest person on the planet. But that's it. Like that's. It's nice when you have I, a I went year's resolution on just one person. No, well that's the thing. Like I it's went manageable, like <laughs> it's, it's attainable. Wait till you see my bucket list. It's like it's get very... a credit card. <laughs> like it's a very personalized bucket list. Yeah, he has, has like a bucket list thing to do with every person. I always wanted to do a thing where uh, why don't you just give me your bucket list, and I'll just make that mine. I don't know if I have one.
8: Yeah, I'd have to think about mine.
12: Mine I just is to get to level 50 in Battlefront. Do you know what's on my, bu- do you know what's on my bucket list? All right, list? we get it, Chris. You play Battlefront. Uh, uh, I was just looking for acknowledgement. My bucket list is living long enough to those two play guys. Play Battlefront too? No, no, that those guys figure out how to make you immortal and so that I could just stay immortal because I don't want to die. See,
8: immortality, the idea of it bums me out. I like the idea of like a greater lifespan, but like at some point. Wouldn't you be curious about fucking anything coming up afterwards? Wouldn't you be curious about, like, an afterlife? Like, the whole idea of, like, if there is one,
6: yeah, just
8: never being able to experience it, whatever it is. Like, whether you're a Buddhist or whatever, you know, if it's, if it's a... And
12: eventually, and if you're immortal, eventually the kids aren't going to get off your fucking lawn anymore. <laughs> They're just not. You're just going to have to deal with that.
8: They're just crotchety robots. <laughs> like, <laughs> <laughs> you kids get out of my gear shop.
12: Initiating lawn sequence. Initiate <laughs> get up the lawn.
8: <laughs> I had a I had a sketch that I wanted to do, and i will probably still do it. But I wanted to do a sketch where it's like this scientist is in a presentation. He's like, all right, you know, and he's got a whole press conference, and he's like, all right, you guys, I've I've created the first artificial intelligence, sentient robot. It it knows. It knows it's a person. It knows, you know it knows it's a it's it's a conscious being. It's the first time in the science. Everyone's freaking out. And it takes it off, and it looks like one of those big, like Danger Will Robinson, you know, like big yeah. old time robots, like the. And when it talks, though, it just has the most offensive caricature mm-hmm. accent, mm-hmm. and everyone's like, "Oh gosh, that's." <laughs> that's oh wow because that's so racist. And he's like it's not right. It's a robot. It's not of any race. You and call then it, it, you,
12: you call it a big bot, like a bigot. Yeah, a
8: big, and oh, it keeps dear. it keeps going, and people are just like, wow, this is why does it talk like that? It's like what, what do you mean? It's, it's a robot. It's not talking like anything. And it goes on, and eventually he's just like, listen, can you guys really not appreciate that I've created this sentient life form that can pass the Turing test just because of how it talks? And everyone's like, yeah, no, that's we can't. It's really. Really Messed up, and he's just like, All right, well, it has another setting. And he flips a switch, and the robot just goes, Oh, great dishonor! And huh, that's the, huh, <laughs> that's the huh, end huh, of the
13: sketch. Huh,
12: huh?
8: Huh?
12: Uh, we're doing this again, same stuff? Yeah. I oh, always want to be sure. Yeah, we're just, yeah, big, yeah. Uh, is this still butt talk? I guess we're talking yeah. about immortality. <laughs> <and> like, <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, man.
8: Robots, man. <laughs> Yo, have you heard of Roko's Basilisk? Uh-uh. Do you know about Roko's Basilisk? <clears throat> okay. <clears throat> <clears throat> If you have any friends who are like logicians or the, the logic head guys, mm. tell them about this. They will be mad at you. Roko's Basilisk is this idea that some point in time there will be a computer, like artificial intelligence. Someone's going to be listening and be like, you didn't, that's not what it is. You're fucking fucking it up. Some point in time there's going to be an artificial intelligence so powerful that it can reach into the past and just, it'll become this god, basically. This some computer program will eventually. Oh, and we're
12: just a big game of The Sims? No,
8: no, 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 no. The idea is that at that point when that create, when that robot becomes god it will actively go back in time and punish people who knew about it but didn't help bring it into existence. So the idea—it's sort of like you know, like remember, like you lost the game. Remember yeah. that whole thing? It's this whole thing where it's like, don't think about Roko's Basilisk because if you think about Roko's Basilisk, when Roko's Basilisk does exist, it will come back in time and punish you for not creating Roko's. Basilisk. Now we
12: gotta never publish fucking- <laughs> this fucking podcast. <laughs> so, but,
8: like, so do I have to learn how to code or like? What yeah, exactly. Yeah, like, that's all. That you <laughs> have to actively <laughs> yeah. work towards creating this omnipresent thing and believe in it and worship it as a god, even though it doesn't exist yet, because it one day will. And people flip out. People are like, how dare you mention? that to me i'm so offended that you brought the people to freak out it's great that sounds like
12: fun though it's like, a yeah. fun- <laughs> like, that's, like no that sounds like fun that's like, like that's like a it, fucked up chain letter like it do, is it's like exactly. do do i do do i really believe bigfoot out there probably not but you know how much fun it is just believing that bigfoot's out there yo there's a lot of yeti proof though dog
3: so if you're looking for a little audio Savage Henry to augment the written word, hop on over to Savage Henry magazine com, or just go to iTunes and get it there. We have a few things to get to in this tweet sack this time around, not a whole lot, but we take what we can get. First up, Kristen Chambers says in a tweet at Ash show, "My fave podcast is com. Well, that's not a problem for us, Kristen. We love that guy. Thanks for writing in. Got a note from Sarah Meyer, who does press for the podcast, Obsessed with Joseph Scrimshaw. She says, quote, Hi there, me again. Obsessed put out a special Hamilton episode today. I thought I'd send the press release along since you were so helpful back in March. Smiley-faced emoticon. If you wanted to feature a clip on Suckatash or write a review for the Huffington Post, that would be amazing. Thanks so much, Sarah, unquote. Thanks for the note, Sarah. Not sure about HuffPo yet, but how about this? But it, it is that
1: great combination of it's telling this compelling story, it's history, which I also love. It's these interesting characters, but told, given an interesting and new twist to, yeah. to a number of them and telling this story of the founding of America that most of us know pretty well, but not from this particular perspective, and it's using this format of hip-hop, adapting it for musical theater. It's not straight-ahead pure hip-hop. This is a complaint you get from a lot of people. Mm -hmm. Well, it's just watered-down hip-hop for white people. Well, no, it's using the vehicle of hip-hop. It's not the same thing, though. It's doing it in in theater and it's not trying to do the same things that lots of regular hip-hop are trying to do, but I believe it is doing it authentically. It's mm -hmm. not just, hey, what are the kids into these days? Rappity-rap music? (laughs) Let's... Cop that. That's yeah. what the kids say, right? <laughs> that's what made me feel
5: weird when I was first listening to it. Of like, well, that's a killer hook. And like, I, I like hip hop. I listen to a decent amount of it. And it's like, yeah. that's some great hip hop. And then there'd be like, at the end of a song, a little musical theater, bump.
6: Yep. We're yeah, We're done <laughs> rapping <laughs> now. <And he's> like, <laughs> it's, it's such a contrast. Yeah. But yeah. that
7: was
1: like it was just the confluence right. of it's its hip-hop music, it is musical theater, and it's mixing this all in this huge bowl well, uh, yeah. so well. Like It just makes so many smart and right choices. And hip-hop is just one of the tools that he deploys when necessary, and we'll probably get to this later. I've now <laughs> read the biography that inspired it, but that Hamilton himself, he was always writing, always thinking, and it was just incessant. Words, words, words. So hip-hop, it's the same way. Nice. And that it just makes sense that it would express that way. Yeah.
5: Yeah. So, Emma, I know how you found out about it. Yeah. Why does it speak to you?
17: To me? Okay, so I... Also, really love history. I had a really good AP U.S. history teacher when I was in high school, and so I was very into kind of the the founding of uh, the United States of America. Interestingly enough, I actually knew a little about Alexander Hamilton, more than I think the average person pre the Hamilton musical phenomenon knew, because I had a friend in high school who was obsessed with Alexander (laughs) Hamilton. (laughs) Weirdly enough, my friend Leanne Stunkel, if she's listening to this, uh, she would just constantly talk to me about Alexander Hamilton. She's like, huh. well, Alexander Hamilton was so smart, and he was right, and blah, blah, blah. And I was like, okay, <laughs> Leanne, Sounds great. Uh... And, it's, and it's one
1: of those stories where, like, if you were to write a fictional tale of sure. a founder of America, yeah. you would turn it into someone, they'd be like, you can dial this back a little bit. Yeah. This is a little far-fetched. Yeah. yeah okay, so... So you're upset about the ten dollar bill thing way before oh, Hamilton way, before, came way out. before way way <laughs> before
17: absolutely, so when the musical Hamilton came out, I was basically like, "All right, well, obviously, I need to check this out because I'm curious basically why she was so obsessed with this person, okay. yeah, because her just telling me about it didn't connect with me in the way that the musical does.
3: So there's a little chunk of the recent Obsessed podcast where Joseph and his guests, Paul and Storm, and Emma Fife talk obsession over the musical Hamilton that continues to be the hottest thing on Broadway. You can catch their whole episode through FeralAudio.com or iTunes or Stitcher or SoundCloud or wherever. The Let's Chat podcast mentioned on Twitter the other day that they, quote, been really digging the show. Unquote. Well, thanks, guys. Be sure to check out Splitsider.com and Huffington Post this week. Special hint to you. Our friend and faithful listener, Reverend John M. Price, tweeted that he's good to go and will be recording the very first edition of his new podcast on June 2nd. Well, good luck, John. Break a mic and let us know when it drops. John Dredge, host of the Nothing to Do with Anything show, very funny English uh, podcast, DM'd us to let us know about his recent interview on the Moody Comedy blog. Seven questions with seven funny answers. Check it out over at moodycomedy.co.uk. Now, you may remember we played a clip from the slant earlier. That was the result of my responding to this tweet from them quote, Succotash Show, my episode is already in MP3 format and I can't figure out how to cut out pieces, unquote. Well, I twatted them back and suggested loading the file into Audacity, a free audio app, which they already had, and simply highlighting the section to be clipped, selecting export selection from the file menu, and there you have it. So other podcasters, if you've been wondering how to get a clip out of your show the easy way, you can just do that so rewind that and listen to it again. And then upload it to us directly through our Hightail.com slash you slash Suckatash show upload link. And we'll be able to play it. All right. That's pretty much the tweet sack for this outing. Let's get to our celebration of thanks with a spiffy new music bed by Tyson to pay homage to those folks who were kind enough to tweet, retweet, DM, favorite, follow, like, or otherwise mention Succotash in their social media during the past week or so. Dustin Klingman. Patrick O. International Podcast Day Corky Knievel Ned Kenny, David A. Quinley Potter and Family Motherhood in Hollywood Daniel Newman Bill Sweeney Davian Dent Illusionoid UK Podcasters Jody and Scott Show Paxi Cafe Tyler Mamone Constant Struggle Podcast Betty Betty Nice Roger James Hamilton Abner Surd Kimberly Langer LAB Podcast Pod Cheese, Choo Choo Stew, My Manu, Social Works, TJ Wary, Dave in the Cave, Phil Lair Strange Times, Rita DJ DJSL22, Heather Booker, Kim Doyle, Salty Language Podcast, Jenna, VF Graphic Novice, Mark Thompson, Danny LaBelle, Russell McLean, Gormless Mook, Paco Romaine, Cacos Industries, Paul Waghorn, Rufus & Howard, The Hobo, Language of Romance, Christine Blackburn from the Storyworthy Podcast, Broken Filter Live Show, X, Hadron Gospel Hour, Texas Music Spotlight, Ice and the Face, Matt Besser, Christopher Titus, Chris Mancini, Revel Stoke Jim, Chris Revel, Ella James, We Got This, Adam Hlava, Ismail Spillers, Real Rats Podcast, Super Pee Time, Austin Beach, Rob Cutner, Superhero Speak, Kyle Andrews, Good Morning You Drunks, Conrad and Jack Show, Peter A. Clay, Hunk Squared, Pacific Content, Romeo Crow, Tori A. Tai, Sue Rose 88632, Marilee Alender, Jeffrey Welchman, Ninja Pizza Radio, Tiger and Socco Jones, Nigel Boydell, Kate Wolf, I. H. Laking, Tyler Ashley, Mary Stephen, Jack from ZKH, The One With Podcast, Couple Things Podcast, Dana Carvey, and Hugh O. Smith.
4: Hey guys, Will Durst here with a few choice words about the upcoming presidential campaign and how ugly it's going to get as soon as Bernie Sanders bows out. Which is soon. Not soon enough for Hillary, but soon. He's like that drunken cousin who doesn't realize he's been the last guest for an hour, asking for another beer, threatening to put his cigarette out in the kid's waiting pool. How ugly? Think a badly shaved rat terrier with a fourth premolar infection, mange, and a lazy eye ugly. If this campaign were a baby, you'd have to tie pork chops to its ears to get the dog to play with it. Even the Rat Terrier, of which earlier we spoke. In his inimitable, insulting style, Trump has already christened his upcoming opponent, Crooked Hillary. And that's the tame end of the stick. You remember what Republicans said about her when she was First Lady. She's a liar. She's a thief. A lesbian. She murdered Vince Foster with her bare hands and then ate him. That's when she was First Lady. Now, as opposition nominee, the kid gloves are coming off. Alien, space queen, vampire, here to suck dry our precious bodily fluids. Originally, the Clintons had three children, but sold two to a Bangkok brothel, to which Bill makes twice yearly visits. On the other side, if you don't think the Clintons have financed opposition research to dig into Trump for months, you're probably confused by the dampness on days when it rains. You know the Clinton machine is sifting through tons of material, from the Donald's infidelities to his shady deals to the suspicious deaths of people who opposed him. Oh, come on. You've seen Law and Order. New York developers are always knocking people off and depositing them in the foundations of soon-to-be-erected condominiums. The only problem is his supporters don't necessarily see that as a negative. Be afraid. Be very afraid. For Succotash, the comedy podcast podcast, I'm Will Durst.
3: That's the second part of our double dose of Durst. Remember that next episode will be my one-on-one, my mano-a-mano with the raging moderate himself. In the meantime, catch his tweets at Will Durst on Twitter. That is going to put a bow on Epi 133 of Succotash Clips. Been a pleasure. Sorry it took so long for me to get out uh, to get this installment out. And I'll remind you again that on Saturday, June 11th, I'll be moderating the very first Dana Carvey and Sons podcast, unofficial title, live at the Comedy Lab at the Improv in Los Angeles. More info as that date draws closer. Please take a few moments to rate and review us up on iTunes and visit our home site at SuckatashShow.com, where you can read the blog post that goes with this very episode uh, containing links to all the clips you heard, or the shows from where we got those clips anyway. Buy something from our Suckatashery, click our Donate button, give us some money, or use the Amazon banner at the top of the page to do your shopping, and that helps us out too because they give us a little tasty kickback. What? Oh, you stopped listening back about the time Durst finished up? Of course, sorry to be prattling on. Don't forget to pass the succotash. Goodbye. You've been
0: listening to Suckatash, the comedy podcast podcast with your host, Mark Hershon. Brought to you by Henderson's Pants and... Imagine your company's name right here. Find us on the web at show.com, on iTunes, on Stitcher Smart Radio, and on SoundCloud. You can also hear us streaming and like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter at Show. Email us at m a at SuckatashShow.com or call into the Suckatash hotline at our non-toll-free call number 818-921-7212 That number again is 818-921-7212 Suckatash is produced and engineered with the kind assistance of Joe Paulino through the auspices of Studio P. Sausalito, home of the hit. Our associate producer is Tyson Sainer. Our musical director is Scott Carvey. Our booth assistant is Kenny Durges. Until next time, I am your loyal booth announcer, Bill Haywatt, reminding you to please pass the
2: sucketage. Goodbye. Sucketage!